Hi, everyone. It's Michael Abernathy with the Times News. We are still here. We're back after a really long break. It's been a while since we've done one of these. I'm here with Jessica Williams. Hi. And Jessica has written a, a story looking at vaccinations and vaccines and I guess the, the questions around safety with vaccines and how that's playing out um, locally and statewide. So um, take it away, Jess. Sure. So we decided to do this story in August because that's the time that a lot of parents are considering vaccines for their children if they if they need to catch up on any. So if you are entering kindergarten in North Carolina, um, you could be required to receive as many as 27 shots. It's usually not that many because they've combined a lot of them. Um, so like um, measles, mumps and rubella is now one shot mm -hmm. instead of separate ones. So it's not usually 27, but 27 doses are required, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so some some of the drugs, we, we've got a chart that's going with this story. Yes. Some of the drugs uh, you can look at and you get five shots of them or five doses. Yes. And then others, um, it's just one or two. Right. So um, you are required to have 27 doses, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all children entering school get all of them because there are exemptions. Um, there are two exemptions allowed in North Carolina, and that is the medical exemption and the religious exemption. So for medical, um, it's only valid if a licensed physician confirms that the vaccination would be detrimental to the child's health. So an example would be if they had a severe allergic reaction to a previous dose of the vaccine or if they were going through chemotherapy, they would be um, that would warrant a medical exemption. Um, the religious exemption is much simpler to get because it only requires a written letter from a parent or guardian stating um, mm -hmm. why they have a religious exemption <laughs> to immunizations. And that's pretty vague, right? It's, it's, or it's yes. pretty nebulous. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you don't have to have it signed by like a religious leader or anything. It's just a, a just a signed statement um, by a, a parent or guardian and that is then kept on file in place of the student's vaccination record. So the data seems to point to um, parents that don't actually have religious objections, but have personal objections, um, abusing the religious mm -hmm. exemption because it's so simple to get. Right. And, and you don't really have to have proof that it's a religious objection. And. and there are true religious exemptions yes. and, and objections to vaccinations and medicine and that kind of thing. I mean, that's their legit religious beliefs. Yeah. So. so I was reading a News and Observer article and it said that between 2012 and 2016, the number of North Carolina kindergartners with religious exemptions uh, increased from 871 to over 2,000. Um, and that number has continued to grow and that's because the anti-vaccination movement mm -hmm. is continuing to have an impact um and just to talk a little bit about the anti-vaccination movement oh let's talk about that that's not going to make anybody upset at all <laughs> if we talk about that um it certainly didn't start with jenny mccarthy it, it started uh, when yeah. vaccines came about which Probably. was in the 1700s um 
but Jenny McCarthy is is considered sort of the face of the modern American mm-hmm. anti-vaccination movement. And she started speaking out against vaccines in 2007 because she believes that the MMR vaccine, which is measles, mumps, and rubella, caused her son to develop autism. And she, and she got that from where? She, right. she backed that claim um, with a since-debunked 1998 study by a British doctor um, who I believe is named Andrew Wakefield. Um, yeah. And he's since had his medical license stripped away. So he did, you know, you probably read more about this than I have. His claims have been debunked. Yeah. Right. Did he just make it all up or was it falsified data or did he do some kind of experiment uh, that turned out, well, it wasn't scientifically uh, sound. Do you know? I'm not sure. I didn't okay. go that deep. Yeah. Um, but I just know that since then, um, just the CDC alone, which is the Centers for Disease Control, mm. has done nine different studies to see if there's a link between vaccines and autism. And all of them have found that there's no link. Yeah. And specifically, there's no link between the MMR vaccine and autism. And, I mean, numerous other organizations have done studies as well. Because it's an important issue and it's a hot topic and everybody wants to find the answer. Right. And none of these studies have found that there's a link between them. So I'm not sure how this British doctor came to that conclusion, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it caused a huge mess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's had a lasting impact. The proof of that lasting impact is that um, one year after Jenny McCarthy started speaking out against the MMR vaccine, so in 2008, um, the CDC received reports of 134 cases of measles, which was the most Mm -hmm. in a single year since 1996. Um, And it's important to note that measles was actually considered eliminated in the United States in the year 2000. So there was still a risk of uh, Americans contracting it from outside countries, right. but it was eliminated from the U.S. Because we had the herd, what what Rich referred to as the herd vaccination or whatever that was, yeah. that uh, enough people, even, even though some people weren't immunized because they couldn't be, right. or uh, medically, or for religious reasons, there were enough of the population that was vaccinated so that those people... The vulnerable children, vulnerable infants, those vulnerable vulnerable people were protected. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So enough people were vaccinated then that um, unvaccinated people were protected. Um, and then that changed as people started rejecting the MMR mm-hmm. vaccine. Um, and it also affected North Carolina. So in 2013, 22 people were infected by one unvaccinated person. Um, They had just returned from a three-month visit to India, which is where they got measles. Um, And then the majority of those infected from that one person in North Carolina were from an unvaccinated religious community. So that's how these outbreaks typically happen, is they'll hit pockets Mm -hmm. of unvaccinated people. Um, And as a result of that, um, in 2015... North Carolina lawmakers proposed doing away with religious exemptions to vaccines um, because, I mean, one, people were abusing the system, and two, it was, I mean, putting these people at risk of getting these diseases. There was that interesting anecdote in your story about one of these outbreaks, the people infected were infants in a doctor's office. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, we're talking about the truly blameless and vulnerable here. Right. 
Yeah. So that's one of the issues with allowing some people to be exempt from vaccines is that it's putting really young babies at risk because they can't be vaccinated against certain diseases yet. Some of these vaccines aren't recommended until you're over a year old. Mm -hmm. So that's one problem. And so, yeah, in 2015, uh, lawmakers in North Carolina tried to do away with religious exemptions, and that was very quickly withdrawn um, because protesters came out and said it was an assault against religious freedom. Right. So they very quickly backed off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and really not much has been done about it since then. So, Frankly, it is something that we have to weigh, right? Right, yeah. Your, your right to a religious belief system and religious freedom uh, versus public safety. Right, exactly. Um, who has the answer? It's it's not easy. Yeah. But uh, but we might have to come up with one. I think there needs to be, just personally, I think there needs to be a middle ground and just make it, um, put more restrictions on religious exemptions, make it so that it has to be signed by a religious leader or, you know, something to do with a church so that people can't so easily abuse right. the system yeah. because it's actually a personal belief and not a religious exemption. Uh, that seems logical, which probably means that it's like more difficult than I, than <laughs> we would think or I would think it would be. Right. But I tend to agree. So this year is actually a record-breaking year for measles. So um, as of August 15th, there have been over 1,200 cases reported in the U.S. Um, with widespread outbreaks in New York, California, Washington, and Texas. And the New York outbreak is linked to, I believe, unorthodox Jewish communities mm-hmm. that are unvaccinated. So it's spreading really easily there. Um, and then there have also been cases reported in Virginia, Georgia, and Tennessee. So while there haven't been any in North Carolina yet, there could be because it's circling all around us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spoke to um, ABSS lead nurse Amy Witterick about um, how they handle families that are hesitant to vaccinate their kids. And she said that usually if it's um, a matter of them being concerned about vaccinations and and kind of giving into the rhetoric of the anti-vaccination movement, um, she just tries to arm herself with resources and um, sources like the CDC and Immunize and C. Um, and just try and give them everything she can that points to the fact that vaccines are safe and that they're necessary for, you know, the safety of our kids. Um, And that's really all they can do right now until something's done about exemptions. Yeah. It's really unfortunate the way that these conspiracy theories um, and real fear, right? Yeah. I mean, at first there was that study, right, before it was debunked. Right. Um, and it raised legitimate fear and legitimate concern. So I'm certain I'm not a parent, but I certainly feel for parents who, who w- weighed it. Right. Yeah. What's the, I mean, nobody gets measles anymore. So why do I need to vaccinate my kid? Right. Right. Um, but now we're seeing the real consequences of it. Um, and we, I just wish that people could believe the truth, you know, that there was some like beacon that we could point to that would make everybody, you know, sorry, flat earthers that would make (laughs) people see like, Oh no, that's settled. Right. It's settled science. Um, 
that's just sorry I got off on a tangent there, but that's what no, I do right, here. Though. And it, it, I mean, it's not just measles; it's a lot of different diseases. And I remember mm. speaking to a polio survivor a couple of years ago, and um, the, he was talking about the anti-vaccination movement and how scared he was that polio was going to come back, having lived through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very legitimate fear. Um, did uh, I'm, I'm going to forget her name? Whitaker. Whitterick. Whitterick. Sorry. Uh, Ms. Witterick. Um, I assume I'm pronouncing that right. There's a chance that I am also pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> if we are, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, did she give any anecdotes or anything locally, like as far as it, her having to do that more uh, in the last you know, few years? She has only been the lead nurse for one year. She's been with the district for seven. And she said that she really couldn't say if there's been an increase or a decrease in the amount of people asking for religious exemptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but only that she has seen the link between people that have personal belief objections to vaccines who then seek religious exemptions. Okay. Um, I should say, too, that you worked pretty hard to reach out to uh, pediatricians and uh, yeah. some local doctors and things. We we really tried to get that voice in here, and we just weren't able uh, to get anybody to get back in touch with us. But uh, hey, if you're out there and you're seeing stuff, hearing stuff on the ground with parents every day, we'd like to tell that side of it. So yeah, give us a call. Give us a call. Um, Jess, anything else that you want to say about this issue or – that, yeah. that we haven't touched on that, that you think is important? No, I think that was everything that I wanted to touch on about it. Okay. Well, um, thanks, Jess. Thank you. And everybody, this is Jess's last day at the <laughs> Times News, and I'm probably going to embarrass her, but uh, she's been a huge part of this newsroom for the last three-plus years and has done some incredible work for for us and for you all uh, and made things engaging and interesting and we're really going to miss her, but she's off to uh, greener pastures. And uh, so <laughs> uh, thank you for all your work and all your time and your friendship. Thank you. I appreciate so. that. Don't make me cry on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You're off the hook. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, this story is in Sunday's Times News, uh, August 25th. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>